Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's go. So today's show, by the way, is brought to you by Sleeper. Head on over to the Sleeper app, create the uh, an account on there, and follow me on there at Anthony Irwin LA. You can use the promo code LA Lounge to get a hundred dollar deposit match up to a hundred dollar deposit match. Again, terms and conditions apply. More on them here in a little bit. But let's get to this game. A disappointing one. And it was disappointing mostly because of how predictable it really felt as it was playing out. So once again, at the beginning of the game, the Lakers were playing pretty well. They were knocking down shots. They were... Well... I'm not going to go so far as to say that they were competing on the defensive end because they were giving up a lot of open shots and they were giving up quite a few offensive rebounds as well to OKC. Now, it's kind of tough uh, defending OKC because you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, right, who is a bona fide superstar now. And um, you also have a like an incredibly athletic team all throughout that roster that like just dive bombs you for offensive rebounds and uh, tips the ball back out. And, you know, they're just faster than everybody else that was on the court there for the Lakers. And you could really feel that anytime the shot went up, it doesn't help that I think the Lakers have some of the worst habits I've seen from a, from a, you know, a legitimate NBA team with playoff type aspirations when it comes to defensive rebounding. But, you know, OKC really takes advantage of that creates a bunch of extra opportunities for themselves. And they didn't shoot the ball particularly particularly well to start the game. And the Lakers jumped out to like a 15-point lead. But then AD sits, and um, Max Christie also sits, who you know drew the uh, responsibility of guarding Shade Gilgis-Alexander. Torian Prince guards SGA and promptly like lets him go on almost a single-handed 7-0 run, and all of a sudden it's a game all over again. And in OKC against a young team that just like anytime they smell blood are going to go off, and that's basically when the game turned, and the Lakers were never able to figure out momentum from that point. Doesn't help that again, Darvin Ham waited like three or four possessions a little too long to call a timeout to stymie a, a run. And and yeah. This this one was was over by halftime, I would say. And you know, before I get to 
specific, you know, guys who did whatever, I do want to take a little bit of time to just, this is another game against a, a team that is going to be in the playoffs where the Lakers got mollywopped. And again, just as before, I'd be remiss and I'd be disingenuous not to mention the injuries, right? You don't have Cam Reddish in this one. You don't have uh, Jared Vanderbilt. You don't have Gabe Vincent. You don't have Rui Hachimura. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a collection of talent that would have helped in this one. But still, you have enough talent there between LeBron, AD, and a collection of good, you know, decent to good uh, role players. That's enough talent there to be competitive against this team. And quite frankly, for like five-sixths or seven-eighths of this game, uh, this was not a very competitive game. And, you know, I, I <laughs> there is nothing worse than, I think, rooting for a front-runner because you always kind of know, right? You don't want to admit it. You don't want to say, like, yeah, this team just runs it up on bad teams and then struggles against good ones. And then you hope like Dallas Cowboys fans tonight, right? You hope that they pull it out and play well enough to beat good teams. Um, and in this case, right in that Dallas game, Dallas did play well enough and did pull it out deserve a ton of credit for doing so. But you know, in the back of your mind, you're always kind of hoping, right? If you've been a Clippers fan for basically the last 20 years, you've basically hoped like, please like, Please stop being a front runner. Can you just like, you know, compete and, and, and like show me some stuff and take care of business against good teams. And they haven't been able to do that now over two different ownership groups. And, uh, you know, here with these Lakers, you're arriving at this point here where you're hoping, please, please Lakers do not be a front running team. And unfortunately, you know, to this point in the season, they are. They beat the crap out of bad teams, right? We just watched the Detroit Pistons game the other game or the other night. They beat the piss out of them. And they've beaten the crap out of other bad teams to this point. But they've also had the crap beaten out of them now four times in 20. That's that's a quarter of your games have been blowout losses to this point, right? No, a fifth of your games. Sorry, I suck at math. A fifth of your games have been blowout losses. And I'm sorry, but teams with legitimate championship aspirations, that's not really how things typically go. Uh, again, tonight's show, by the way, brought to you by uh, the Sleeper app. We are, again incredibly proud and thrilled to be partnered with them. I'm going to throw the graphic up there one more time. Sleeper is where you can uh, use the promo code LA lounge, get that hundred dollar uh, deposit match and uh, you know, have some fun on there. Like it is a legitimately fun app to use. Um, I'm going to run through the stats here again, and it is, you know, super impressive what they've been able to do here in a short amount of time. Sleeper is a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022. 
while earning some of the highest level of levels of engagement per user in the industry. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. Sleeper Picks is our real money product that connects friends over picks. Choose two to eight of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less than the predicted stats. And then on Sleeper, you can get up to 100 times payouts depending on how you combine those picks. So share with your friends and get rewarded together. I'm going to throw up a few picks that I have my eye on tonight. You have Luka Doncic um, with a... Now, this is a a, a sleeper bonus here, right? Uh, over under 0.5 points. And if you, if you uh, earn uh, more or less than 0.5 points, and if you win that one, right? You get a bit of a bonus there, um, and it is paid out regardless. So that is sleeper basically just handing you some 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 fun money right they also have triple doubles on there um as an option as well it pays out about three uh times your money that is something i would i i like betting triple doubles it's a fun one uh it it forces you to keep an eye on that entire game as it plays out i would i i, I would bet the over there and have a little bit of fun um not a giant bet but a fun one uh, you also have Kyrie Irving at four and a half assists over uh, more or less than four and a half assists. Um, e- same amount of money on either side of that one. I would, uh, as I am picking the Luca triple double thing, and in that one, you're hoping for 10 assists there. You could kind of, you know, you could either play it safe and take uh, more on Kyrie Irving's part more than four and a half assists, or you can kind of mitigate some of the damage there and you could take less than I'm saying, let it ride. Both of those dudes are going to get their, uh, their fair share of assists and, and have some fun there as well. Joel Embiid, Oh, more or less than 0.5 double doubles. Less than gives you a, uh, 2.44 bonus there. Take the less, have a little bit of fun. Let's, let's get a little dangerous out there. And, uh, Paolo Bancaro, more or less than again let's have some fun let's let's roll with the higher payouts 2.68 times your money there more than half of a double double from uh Paolo Bancaro Kyle Kuzma assists why not no i'm kidding let's go less <laughs> less than five and a half uh assists for him and then Nikola Jokic 30 and a half points more or less than there. I'm going to go more. I'm going to, I'm going to go more for Yoka's point to uh, for, for the Yoker's point total. And, and we're going to ride that out as well. Again, I'm going to throw the graphic up one more time. LA lounge is a promo code to use to get up to a hundred dollar first deposit match terms and conditions apply. Find me on there at Anthony Irwin LA as well. And let's all have some fun together. Uh, the other thing in in watching this game play out and watching this season play out that has really rubbed me the wrong way is the amount of inconsistency with whose shots are coming from where. Frankly, the only player I think to this point who can like legitimately say he knows where his touches are going to come from has been D'Angelo Russell uh, because he starts the game with the ball in his hands. And you can basically call your number as often as you want there. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I understand why 
D'Angelo Russell might be prioritized to get the game going or whatever, but I think the Lakers, and at the beginning of this game, you saw it, the Lakers just look their best when the ball goes through Anthony Davis. And the Lakers look their best when he's getting post touches and he is demanding double teams and the Lakers operate from a point of strength as the other team rotates away from those, uh, from, from those double teams and, and, and from those traps of Anthony Davis. Um, and, and again, early in this game, when the Lakers built that like 15 point lead, it was through Anthony Davis the other night when the Lakers were right there with Philadelphia, it was with Anthony Davis getting plenty of touches. And, you know, even while Russell is putting together plenty of counting stats and plenty of, of efficiency stats, he's had a very impressive offensive season to this point. Uh, I, I do kind of wonder if it is coming at the behest or, you know, at the cost of Anthony Davis really getting things going and the trickle-down effect that you miss with AD getting things going and keeping things going. That's the other thing. AD comes out, plays well at the beginning of this one, comes out, plays well at the beginning of the Philadelphia game, and then just like goes away. And I'm sorry. I'm very hard on, on point guards. I will grant that. But it is a point guard's job to make sure that the team's, you know, best or second best player eats. And in this case, D'Angelo Russell is not the team's best or second best player. And far too often when you watch the Lakers play, you don't get the sense that the priority here is letting their, their best two guys eat. And I understand kind of easing LeBron into the game and then letting him take over late. That's been kind of the, the, the modus operandi as you watch this offense um, operate over the course of a game. I get that. But if AD is going to like just kind of disappear, you know that he's going to go away later in the game, then you got to make sure you like you overfeed him uh, throughout the, the, the first like three quarters or so, so that when LeBron starts touching the ball and, and starts taking over possession of the ball and possession of the offense that like AD is like, all right, I got my field. You do your thing, LeBron. And, and I just never feel like watching these, uh, watching the Lakers operate that there's ever a really clear understanding of who should be doing what, when, and, and, you know, there are plenty of guys, plenty of talented offensive players on this team who should know, all right, I'm going to get a few touches. I'm going to get a few shots in the first quarter. This is where I'm going to get them from. This is exactly what I know what to work on um, in, in practice and what to work on in the offseason to, to become better at those shots. And, and, and this is how we would make those shots happen. There just isn't that much direction. There's, it's a very rudderless offense, which is crazy to say, given the amounts of creativity on this team. And and frankly, I think that's a Darvin Ham problem. Like, it is a very egalitarian offense. And, uh, you know, you're 20 games in, and the offense has sucked. At some point, move a little further away from egalitarianism and start, like, dictating, all right, AD gets these touches here. LeBron gets these touches here. Uh, D'Lo, you get your touches here. Austin, you get your touches here. Prince, go stand over there. This is exactly where you're going to be knocking down shots from. There just isn't enough organization in this offense. And, and I really think that is kind of the fundamental issue with why it has been very underwhelming to this point, 
given the amount of offensive talent on this roster. Kind of along those same lines, when you watch that second unit and LeBron, so LeBron is basically exiting the game midway through the first quarter. AD plays the entirety of the first quarter, and then LeBron comes in with the second unit at the beginning of, of the uh, of the second quarter. And when LeBron comes in there and, you know, tonight or last night, by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, you had LeBron, you had Austin, you had D'Lo out there as well. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, I think a little too much creativity and, and what winds up happening, OKC went zone in the game and you had a whole bunch of passes around the perimeter and no real like direction to figuring out who gets what touch where. And, um, you know, it was, it was crazy to watch LeBron be on the court and go like possessions, plural, between plays where he impacts the offensive side of the ball. And again, I understand that the, the, the Lakers are basically trying to limit the burden that he carries offensively through the first three quarters or so and then let him have the legs to uh, take over in the fourth. But against these good teams, that fourth quarter isn't mattering because the Lakers are too far back for LeBron to take over late. So again, it's like we've talked about now a few times over where uh, I think I think Darwin just lacks nuance in his coaching approach where we are strident in this is a Austin D'Lo team for the first three quarters and then it's a LeBron team in the fourth and that's fine against teams that allow you to either hang in there or or allow you to build a lead over the course of that thing but I just think you're, you're, you're wasting a lot of what LeBron brings to the table when you're just like not involving him and even if you aren't going to like involve LeBron in those first three quarters in the same way that you would in the fourth you could still put him at the high post and he can distribute from there you like the 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 thunder went zone here and the lakers had five guys standing around the perimeter and you would see some picks that weren't really doing anything on the guys who were guarding the two elbows right in the 2-3 or you would see some picks to try to let, get some guys loose against the zone those picks unless you have like an overwhelming threat on one end of those picks those picks aren't really going to do anything in a zone and and like at zero point whatsoever, have we seen the Lakers try to take apart a zone positionally and with ball movement? That is just not a thing that they do. And it just, you know, Oklahoma City's zone completely messed with every amount of rhythm that the Lakers had, and they never got it back. So um, LeBron with that second unit, I think to, it, it needs a lot of work with, again, the the directionality and the purpose with which the offense is operating, they're just it's non-existent right now. My last thing here, Lakers specific, is uh, as it pertains to Torian Prince. At some point in here, the Lakers are going to start getting guys back, right? Uh, Cam Reddish played the other night and apparently was a game-time decision against Oklahoma City. I don't believe we got any kind of clarity on if that was a a choice that the Lakers made going into uh, these th this back-to-back -back setting. But Cam, at some point, is going to recover from his groin issue. Jared Vanderbilt, again, I've been told there's a bunch of optimism 
that they're going to see him back sometime soon. Um, a lot more optimism, uh, optimism, you know, compared to like Gabe Vincent, right? Um, they don't know when they're going to get him back, but with Jared Vanderbilt, they seem to think that like, all right, they were going to, they were hoping to get him on this, on this road trip. They didn't. And now the hope is that maybe he'll be able to go on Saturday. Maybe um, not reporting that, but that is the hope. Now, if he comes back and Reddish comes back and uh, you know, a couple days from now, I think we're going to be a week out from Rui Hachimura's thing where they, uh, reevaluate his progress from his nasal fracture surgery, and maybe he's able to return soon wearing a mask. Now, if you get those three guys back, and given the way that Max Christie has played in those guys' absence, there's no need for Torian Prince. We're good here. I'm done. Like, I, I've been nice. I've been patient. But the way that he is playing right now, I'm not saying he generally is this, but the way that he is playing basketball right now, he is not, he's borderline, not an NBA player. And he for damn sure is not a starting caliber NBA player. Like that is just not the reality of the situation. So if Prince is going to play, it has to be at extremely diminished minutes compared to where he has been to this point. The Lakers haven't done enough winning and he hasn't played enough well enough to have made the case that he should, you know, continue to start whenever everybody is back. And I frankly, when everybody comes back or when a wing or two comes back, we're good here. Just take some time, relearn how to shoot a basketball, get together with Chris Jest and and see if you can fix your shot and and just go away for a little bit because I, I can't, I can't continue to watch that guy play basketball. Zooming out really quickly. And I think this is going to be a topic over the course of the year, but quietly you have had Mark Lasry, uh, who used to own a majority share of the Milwaukee bucks. Uh, you have had Michael Jordan who used to own a majority share of the Charlotte Hornets. You have had Mark Cuban, who up until recently owned a majority share of the Dallas Mavericks. And now you have had uh, Herb Simon sell a minority share in the Indiana Pacers. The fact that all of these business people are selling pieces or selling large pieces, selling majority stakes in their team in the ramp up to the... NBA's next media deal is very intriguing at this point. It'd be one thing if it was like one or two owners here and there, but that's a handful that I just listed. And uh, this is as the league is like desperately getting the players union to play ball and get their guys on the court more often. This is as the league has already implemented the play in tournament and is trying with this full court press with this in season tournament to get people excited about that. Um, the, the, the NBA has already floated the idea of partnering with ESPN or whichever, you know, partner that they, they move forward with to where they would have ownership stake, partial ownership stake, uh, or no, I think ESPN has floated that the other way around where the NBA would have partial ownership, ownership stake in ESPN moving forward. Um, the reason I bring all of this up is 
for a long time, sports and live sports was this golden goose that everybody thought was going to continue to be this supreme moneymaker. And compared to traditional TV, I think that is still the case. That is never going to change. There is just, especially while the NFL and college football exist, there is just never going to be a producer in scripted or unscripted television that rivals the NFL, period. Um, and and frankly, you know, when 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 these teams go to the negotiating table, they are all going to do just fine when it comes to these uh, these deals, these media rights deals. That said, I do kind of think that this trend is a is a bit of a red flag with the NBA specifically, and I I don't know necessarily what is going to come of it. This is basically just kind of a conversation starter. This is something to kind of like let it sit in the back of your mind. Let yourself wonder like, hmm, that is how many owners now? Mark Cuban of all people? Like Mark Cuban, a giant chunk of his like self-worth and personality was built up by owning the Dallas Mavericks, right? And yeah, I guess he continues to be kind of the principal operator of the Mavericks moving forward. But you guys know me. I always say this. Look for the incentive when it comes to, uh, you know, what is going to drive people's, the way that they operate moving forward. And for these billionaires who are not used to losing money to start kind of backing away from, from the league and from the negotiating table, is a little concerning and i don't frankly like the health of the league i do care that the league continues to grow because it is the 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 pie that we are all trying to get a small little slice of in creating the the content that we do in our little corners of the internet um so in in that regard i am always going to be kind of at least indirectly invested in the continued growth of the league but for the most part, the amount of money, like these contracts continuing to grow at the trajectory that they have been growing over the last, you know, decade or so of my time covering the league, uh, I don't care. I don't care that, that like, you'll have guys become billionaires or close to billionaires just off of NBA earnings. That is not something I will frankly ever care about. It's cool. It was, it, it sounded cool that it looked like maybe just maybe that might be the the case or whatever. But I do think that we are nearing a point where some of these contracts are going to start kind of slowing down a little bit because they are based off of basketball related revenue. Right. And, and, and I think BRI, right. Basketball related income is the, uh, is the, is the X, you know, is, is that's what the acronym stands for. And, the fact that you have these owners now stepping back in the way that they are now, you know, it's not the same, right? What happened with Bobby Sarves or what happened with Donald Sterling, right? Where those guys were told to go away. Um, it's not the same here where you see Lazary and Jordan and, and Herb Simon and Mark Cuban, um, you know, all, all kind of go away in the way that they are, you know, stepping back a little bit. Uh, those are, like genius business people who through their actions seem to be letting us know. Yeah. The league isn't necessarily as healthy as Adam silver has told us and promised it. It is, and we'll see what comes of it all.
All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. We have one more episode this week, uh, a Friday look back that I will be doing live tomorrow afternoon or today in a few hours by the time you guys are listening to this. So make sure you guys tune into that. I'm continuing to work with Aaron and with the All Access Lakers crew about potentially adding some content to this feed. So keep your ears out for that as well. Um, but really I do want to thank you guys again. Uh, you know, I was able to take a little bit of time during the Thanksgiving holiday. My daughter is now four years old and has been very aware, become very aware of the holiday. And I got to decorate the house over the weekend and I got to, you know, just kind of take a step back and not feel guilty for doing so in the ways that I did back when I was running more of a team. And I appreciate you guys kind of standing by and being patient with that bit of a break here in the middle of the season. Um, you guys are the best. And I, you know, the, 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 the Spotify wrapped images that I had somebody say that they listened to over like 8,500 minutes of me or me and whatever guests that I have brought on. Um, that is incredible. It is uh, humbling. Every time I see it, I have uh, been absolutely blown away by what you guys uh, have allowed me to do in my career. And I cannot thank you enough for it. So before I get even more bubbly and before I get all even more dusty or whatever here, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for that amount of support that you guys continue to show me and my family and this family of creators that I have worked with over the years. You guys are the best. I love you. And I will talk to you tomorrow. So again, you guys hear from me i'm anthony irwin saying have a great rest of your day make somebody else's and i'll talk